Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. Check back weekly to stay up to date with what God is doing here in the life of our church. To learn more information, you can find us online at sturkey.church. Our prayer here at the church at Sturkey Hills is that you are moved by this message. Guys, thanks for tuning in and have a blessed week. you got your Bible or your device this morning, you can open to John chapter 4 as we continue to journey through this amazing gospel according to John. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, a controversial subject, something that all of us probably have asked questions about, and I titled the message, Ultimate Healing. And so here's my question. Have you ever found yourself in a place, maybe personally for yourself, or maybe somebody that you care about, or even somebody in your circle that was suffering, hurting, struggling, in need of a move bigger than who we are? Some outside source, some miracle, a healing. If you've ever had that, I want you to raise your hand. Have you ever had that in your life? See, it, 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 it touches all of us. All of us have prayed for somebody. Certainly we should have. If you haven't and you claim Christianity, you're a loser. You are not much of a Christian if you've never prayed for yourself or anybody else because it's part of who we are in our relationship with God where we can cry out to God and trust him. And, and here's the thing. Sometimes people say, why does God not always answer our prayers God does always answer our prayers. I want you to know something. Every prayer you whisper or think toward God in faith, he hears. And he always answers all of them. He either answers yes and he does what you've asked. He says, no, that's not in alignment with my will and it's not best for you or my kingdom. Or thirdly, not now. And it's okay in knowing that. Just we can trust him with that. Well, today we're going to see a story where a miracle happens, man, a healing miracle. And it's, it's, it's beautiful to watch. And we're going to learn. We're going to pick out about four things uh, about this story to help us in our faith. And then we're going to wrap it up about how we move forward understanding faith, prayer, and God's ultimate healing. So number one. In John chapter 4, beginning in verse 46, I call, know the right source of healing. It's important that you know, K-N-O-W, you have a knowledge and awareness of the right source of healing. Okay? It says in verse 46, now he, Jesus, came again to Cana in Galilee where he had made the water wine in Capernaum. There was a certain royal official whose son was sick, and when he heard that Jesus had come back from Judea to Galilee, he went to him. And, and so here's the story. You remember as we've journeyed through this book, the first great miracle of Jesus, he goes to a wedding, and they're out of wine, and he goes down to the water, and he converts. Well, he doesn't go to the water. He sent his disciples because Jesus' mother said, do whatever he said. And so he goes down, they, and they gather this water, and somewhere between them gathering it and walking it back up to the wedding... Um, it had, the water had converted to wine. And we don't know what that was. We know it was supernatural. Uh, 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 change transformed in the fraction of a second because it was a God thing that he did. Now, everybody you know would have been talking about, hey, have you heard about this dude named Jesus? I mean, he showed up at the wedding. And I mean, I know you, you weren't there and you can think that I'd been 
I'd been hitting the old stuff that I was wasted. I don't, I, maybe I missed it, but I'm telling you, man, Jesus converted water to wine. So there's a reputation stirring about this guy named Jesus. Now, Jesus has, has left and he's gone and, and he's been doing other things. He's been proclaiming who he is. He's picked his disciples, got his disciples more in line with who he is. He's doing a thing and now he goes back. Okay, and so now there's a reputation. Well, he shows up. And the Bible says that, that there is a, a royal official. Now, when you do the research on the wording for the royal official, he, he, this man was a man of much means. This man was a man of much wealth. This man had access to the greatest medical procedures, processes, and knowledge that the world then had to offer. Nothing like now, but they had medical knowledge. They had doctors. Luke was a doctor. So they were there, and he had access to all that. He had money. As we read the text, we'll find out that he actually has slaves who meet him to tell him about what has happened. Uh, so this guy was a man of much means. But something happens, man. You can have everything the world has to offer. You can have wealth and reputation and popularity and, and uh, 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 prestige. You can, you can have everything that the world throws at us. But listen, when you have somebody close to you that's sick... It's a game changer. And let me just amplify it. It says he had a son that was sick. If you have a little boy or if you have a little girl or if you have a little grandson or you have a little granddaughter, the world changes when they get sick. You would give yourself, you would take their sickness on yourself so you wouldn't watch them suffer. Who's had a child that's sick and you would be willing to take their sickness? I don't, I don't get that. I'm a terrible sick person. I'm a weenie when it comes to being sick. And, and, and it kind of comes with being dudes. That's why we don't have babies. Procreation would have ceased it after the garden, okay? Because we don't do suffering well. Guys don't, and I'm chief among them. And, and, and even though that's real, when Caitlin and Kelsey were little, or even now if they're hurting, my goodness, uh, uh, Juliana and Judson, my grandchildren, if they're sick, we would take that on ourselves to prevent that. We would do anything possible. Well, here's where this man is. He has exhausted all of his means, all measures, and now he remembers, man, there was this guy. This guy who turned water into wine, and I just heard he's back in town. So I'm going to leave my home. Now, geographically, this man, this royal official, left his sick, dying son. That's what we'll find. He was dying. And he goes 20 miles to where Jesus is going to show up because he's looking for a healing. He's looking for something different. He's looking for a miracle. And so he goes to him. Now, the point number one is this, to know the right source of our healing. It's important that we take it. To the right place. Now, let me just go ahead and tell you, if you're sick now, if you've got a hurt now that needs healed, if somebody in your circle, somebody you love needs healing, Jesus is still the miracle-making great physician. Amen? That hasn't changed. The fact that it's 2,000 years post-Jesus incarnated, walking on this earth, Jesus is still the miracle-maker, and he is the right source of healing, and he is. Now, Let's keep moving forward. Number two, we need to demonstrate the right attitude for healing. Now, watch what a, 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 the proper posture or attitude is about asking for 
a miracle asking for healing. It says in the second part of verse 47, it says, so now, it says, he went to him and begged him to come down and heal his son who was about to die. That's the proper attitude. You see, we live in a world that wants to claim, proclaim, call out, uh, take what's mine. We live in a world that, that's presumptuous upon God, that we should get what we want because, uh, because we are your children and you can do anything, therefore you need to be my genie in a bottle. That's not the right attitude for healing. The right attitude is when we humbly, you see, this man was a man of much means. This was a, a royal official. He's not used to this position. He's not used to this attitude of begging for anything, but he's got a sick and dying son, and man, he's ready to beg. He's exhausted everything that his uh, 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 um, possessions will allow him, and he got nothing, and so now he comes to Jesus to, to beg of him. So Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. You see, when you read commentaries about this, it opens up a little bit to help us understand what he means. In the Greek, the word, when it says, unless you people, some, some translations just say you. And you think, well, he's just blistering this guy, man. And he, he traveled 20 miles probably on a horse because he, he knew Jesus was the guy. He believed the testimonies of the other miracle he had done. And Jesus is going to drop the hammer on him like that. Well, when you look at it in the Greek, it's a plural it's, a, a, it's plural, a plural pronoun. And so what most people suggest it, it means is that this royal official, everybody knew he had a sick son, and everybody knew about Jesus who converted the water. And they watch this royal official, and word gets out he's going to see Jesus for a miracle. So he's got a little group of following, a circle of people that say, man, I'm going to see this. I want to see this miracle. And Jesus kind of blisters the circle he's riding with. He says, listen, if you, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. But then out of this circle that Jesus kind of hammers, this man, this royal official, the one who had the, the things the world had to offer, verse 49, Jesus identifies the heart of who he was, the attitude about a healing. And listen to what he says. The official says, sir, come down before my child dies. He, he says, Jesus, I know we are a people who seek signs and wonders. We're of little faith. We don't believe well. But I'm telling you right now, I, I got a son, and he's about to die. And if you'll just come down there with me, he won't die. I believe that much about you. It's all I've got. He's not, a, he's not searching for God. He's not, you know, dedicated to Jesus. He just knows there's something different about Jesus. And he knows he has a need that this world cannot solve. And so he has the right attitude toward Jesus. And, and, and that is how we are supposed to be. Number three, we need to develop the right faith about healing. We need to develop the right faith about healing. So listen to what happens in verse 50 as the, as the story continues. It says, so Jesus told this royal official, he says, you can go home. Your son will live. And the man believed, listen, the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he set off for home. 
All right. Now it says in verse 51, while he was on his way down, his slaves met him and told him that his son was going to live. So he asked them the time when his condition began to improve, and they told him yesterday about 1 o'clock in the afternoon the fever left him. Now, if you track this on a timeline, you look at the clock and you watch his schedule, yesterday at 1 o'clock was when Jesus spoke to him. Based on his travels, yesterday at 1 o'clock was when Jesus said, you can go on home, your little boy's going to live. Now, I want you to learn something. I want you to see something about Jesus right here. The word coming from God, who is Jesus is God, the word of God changes things from a distance. You see, Jesus didn't need to physically pick this little boy up and hug him and speak to him. Because proximity is no thing for God. You see, God is outside space and time. And even though Jesus was God in the flesh... While being all man, he was never less God. And while being all God, he was never less man. But in this moment, he could heal at a distance. Now, now that is understanding developing a proper faith about healing. It, it, this man didn't see the little boy. This man didn't, get a, didn't pick up his cell phone, put FaceTime him. Hey, buddy boy, how you feeling? That's what I call Judson, buddy boy. Now he starts calling me buddy boy. My grandson goes, he'll say, hey, buddy boy. He didn't have the privilege and the, 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 the instruments and the technology to say, hey, buddy, boy, you feeling better? He took Jesus at his word. He took the word of God and moved and, and, and commanded his feet and his life to respond simply to the word of God. And that's what we're supposed to do. That's the right attitude, or the, uh, uh, the right understanding of and the right development of our faith toward a healing. And that is we just simply trust God at his word. So the man believed the word and he began to journey back. Now, why? Why did he believe in the word? How can you place your faith in, a, in an expression? Your son's going to be fine. You can go on home. Who lives by that? No, m most of us don't live by that. My wife don't live like, by that. My wife would say, hey, Joel, what about this? What do you think about this? I'll give her an answer. <laughs> I could count on no hands the number of times she says, oh, okay, end of story. No, 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 no. Me and you know this. She asked me a question. I give her an answer. You know what that does? Leads to question number two. It's like I'm being interrogated. feel like right here in these spotlights, where were you yesterday? Okay. One question leads to the next. Not this guy. This guy heard one word from Jesus. Says, he's going to be fine. You can go on home. He says, okay. And he headed home. Why? Because God's word is the thing that gives us existence. Do you know that? God's word is how and why we are here. God's word, the word of Jesus, is what brought everything into existence out of nothing. Jesus, in, Genesis, in the Genesis creation account, Jesus spoke into nothing and out emerged everything we know. I just think that's cool. He, he didn't form something that existed. He, he, he worded into nothingness everything that is. And today his word is still that kind of word. It is the word of God. Listen, you, you said, well, I don't know about the whole Jesus, God, uh, the word. Uh. We covered this 
If you weren't here, it's found right here in this gospel according to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And right now you think, you know, you say, okay, the Word of God is important. It's God speaking. But, but we go on down. It says in verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. He was right there in the beginning. And it says all things were made by him. The creation, it was made by him. Now it becomes personal. It goes from the word, like a, an, a, just an object, and now it takes on a persona. It says in verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was nothing, was not anything made that was made. That's well worded. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now we move down to verse 11. You'll remember it. It says, and he came. He, he's talking about the word. And now it says, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as in, many as received him, to them gave he the power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And then he says in verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of will, nor of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the, his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word is God. The Word is God made incarnate flesh in Jesus. Jesus is God's Word. And so all of these points, man, it all, it all rolls back to the one man whose name is Jesus, who is God. So listen, when you're needing a healing, it's all about getting your business right with Jesus. Amen? Now, now does it mean we, we say, well, I'm not going, I'm not going to the doctor. I'm trusting Jesus. Well, that's foolish. Jesus has given us doctors. Jesus has given us wisdom. Jesus has given us knowledge and understanding and the ability to develop medical practices that he uses for healing. And so we know we go to doctors, but we lean on Jesus, and it's good. We got, we got doctors and pharmacists in our midst today, this morning, sitting right up here in the front, just saying. And... And we, we lean on them. Man, I, I would trust them. I could go to either one of them with, if I needed a prescription or, I, man, I got something going on, I could ask them, and I would trust them. Why? Because God has given them beautiful minds. God has allowed them to go to amazing schools to get trained. Now they have experience going with their training and their minds, and I could go to them with a question, and I do this much. If they don't know the answer, they look at me and say, I got nothing. I don't know. Or they would say, I think it's this, and I would trust them. You see, we go to doctors because God uses doctors. Listen, doctors were available then. Luke, who wrote the gospel, he was a physician. Okay? It's okay. So we, we allow God to heal us in whatever manner he chooses, but we lean and trust on the greatness of who he is. It's, it's important that we learn to hang on the word of God. It's important that we learn to live by the word of God. It's important that we find our being in the Word of God. It's important that we find our hope and our healing in the Word of God. And how do we do that? One step at a time, we navigate through it. One truth at a time, we develop an understanding of it. One application at a time, we do what the book says to do. Amen? And that's how we get to a place where we experience everything that God wants. So developing the right faith about healing is much like developing the right faith about other biblical principles. It begins by posturing ourselves in obedience to the truth that he's already given. 
Now that's powerful. Let me explain what I mean. Sometimes people say, well, I just don't know why God is not telling me what he wants me to do next. (laughs) Often, you know why? Because you ain't done what he told you to do last. Amen? Yeah, thank you, me and and you, Oz. Just me and you, buddy. (laughs) Okay? Yeah, because often we haven't done step one, and he's not going to shine a light on step two, because step two won't work until we get step one. It's It's like opening up some of those toys that our grandchildren got for Christmas. Eight million parts, and the instructions are in like Spanish, Chinese, okay, Hebrew, I don't know. And you have to thumb through it, and then you find yours. You know, it's a book this thick, and you got four pages. And the illustrations are terrible. The wording is terrible. But I'm telling you this much. If you don't go one, two, three, four in those steps, that little toy is going to hurt your grandchild. Wheel going to fall off. Roof's going to cave in on them. You've got to go step by step. And that's the way it is following and pursuing the Word of God. It's one step at a time, one truth at a time, one application at a time. So what about this thing, faith? Let's talk about it a little bit. Hebrews 11.1 1 defines it. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. And you know I say it all the time. Faith is believing something is so, even though it doesn't seem so, just because he said it was so. It's just trusting him that things are so according to his word, even when it doesn't look like it should. Now, in this narrative, you'll remember in verse 50, this is what it looks like. It says, Jesus told him, go home, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he set off for home. He believed it was so, even though he couldn't confirm that it was so, just because Jesus said it was so. You see that? Okay. Now, that's, that's what it looks like. It doesn't look like this. guy like myself gets in his late 50s, starts thinking, man, life is hard now. Man, I, my shoes are further away from my hands than ever in my life. And I don't know, I don't remember when I was younger having to hold my breath while I tie my shoes. I'm thinking about now doing away with any shoes with strings on them, buckles or f- straps. Just wear slippers because it's difficult. This is before I was doing cuss fit. He's got me loosened up now, and I can do some things like tie my shoes. Amazing task. But, but as we get older, we realize, man, I, I need to take better care of myself. When you're young, you don't care. When you get older, you realize, I should have cared. So you go to the doctor, and, and you say, Doc, I, I, is this just a part of being in my 50s that I don't have any energy, I hurt more, you know, I, I, I don't feel good all the time. I don't sleep good. And then the doctor looks at you and he says, well, it's not all just being old, okay? Part of it is, you know, you need to lose about 50 pounds. Well, yeah, I know. Well, but it's okay. I've got a, a prescription, a regimen for you that I can think will help you feel better and lose weight. Okay, what is that? Well, basically, you're going to eat, eat less and move more. Okay, what I'm going to do is give you an exercise program, and I'm going to give you a diet so you can lose weight and you'll feel better. Now, I can take what he tells me, or she, and I can go prescribe, uh, 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 implement that prescription in my life and, 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 and feel better. Or I can go home and say, you know, that's a good idea, but I, I think I'm going to do a different program. I think I'm going to do the Eto diet. Now, I'm not talking about keto diet. We got people do the keto diet, and it's effective. You can lose some weight. I'm not talking about the keto diet. I'm talking about the Eto diet. Cheeto Frito, 
Dorito, burrito. I'm talking about the Ito diet, okay? That's all I'm going to eat is Itos, okay? And, and, and then I'm going to go see the doctor in a quarter and expect him to say, you're feeling better because, man, you ain't lost a pound. Matter of fact, you weigh eight more pounds than you did three months ago, all right? No, that's not what it looks like. What it looks like is we take God's prescription, we take his word, and we move and live and find our being in what he says. And we don't modify it or move it. We simply do what he says to do. Uh, and, and, and it's not always easy, especially for guys. I think women do better at this than guys do. I think guys are, have a tendency to be more stubborn. Don't you dare amen me. You don't amen me any other time, women. Don't you say it now. I think men are more stubborn than women. I think they learn harder. I think women are uh, quicker learners most often. And, and, but the learning process is, is a cool thing if you think about it. I, I look forward to this summer. But one of the reasons is because I have a little granddaughter and, and, and she'll be approaching two. And I look forward to standing in the water in the shallow end and putting her little beautiful self on the side and say, hey, jump to Papa. I'm watching her go. No. Oh, come on. You, do you, I, Papa loves you. She knows that. Papa won't let anything happen to you. She knows that. Oh, Papa will catch you. You can trust Papa. Jump to Papa. So then I'll have to say, Kendra, watch her. Watch Judson. Judson dive off the diving board right on top of me. Okay, he's four. All right? The process of learning to trust is really an amazing thing. And just like the kid standing on the side of the pool, jumping to his papa, Jesus saying, you can come on in. You can jump to me. You trust me, don't you? I've demonstrated that you can. I'm trustworthy. You, you can jump to me. I won't let anything bad happen to you. And he's just waiting for some of us to just jump on in. Amen? That's what a faith journey begins to look like. One step at a time, one truth at a time, one application at a time. Number four, we've got to learn to trust in the right objective of healing. Now, this is where sometimes we get off the bus. This is where sometimes we, we don't really like the answer to the question when it comes to healing. We've got to learn to trust in the right objective of healing. Listen at verse 53. It says, Then the father realized that it was the very time Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed, here it is, along with his entire household. Jesus did this as his second miraculous sign when he returned from Judea to Galilee. You see, God is not like us. <clears throat> his objective, his goal, and his end game is often different than ours. When we desire a healing for ourselves or someone that we love, our goal, our objective, our end game is to experience healing. It's a personal, temporal result that we're after. Let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus heals, but Jesus' end game his goal and his objective is not to develop people who will believe that Jesus can perform a miracle. It's to develop a people who walk and live in the miracle of Jesus. Now that's what it is. To understand that there's a greater, there's a greater miracle 
than a temporal healing. And we're going to talk about that as we close here in just a second. Jesus has an objective that's deeper and richer and fuller and greater. His objective is to have a relationship with you and those in your circle. His objective is not just to make believers in miracles, but to make believers in Jesus. His desire is to make saved people out of lost people. That's his goal. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he came, not to, de- to, not to demonstrate his ability to perform great miracles and feats and signs and wonders. Jesus came to do the greatest miracle, and that is to save lost people. His objective is to make a permanent and eternal impact on all people. The miracles and the healings we seek, they're just temporal. And, and so... Let's finish up. What do we do? So, so what does this mean for you? What does this mean for me when I'm sick, when you're sick, when I have a sick child or grandchild, when I have a mother or father who's sick? What does this mean for us? Does it mean that Jesus, if we pray and give it to Jesus, he will always heal? There are those who would try to convince you that if you have enough faith, Jesus is your genie. He will do what you want because of your faith. That's not true. Will Jesus always heal? Yes, he will. But not always on this side and in this life. Sometimes Jesus heals us only when we go to the next life. That's hard truth, but it's truth. How do I know that God doesn't always heal everybody who has enough faith because everybody who was alive about 110 years ago ain't here anymore? You know, they all die. Regardless of the level of mustard seed faith, they died. And look at your neighbor and say, you will too. What's important is that we give ourselves, yield ourselves, place ourselves in Jesus because our ultimate healing comes on the other side. Often people get confused about this because we want miracles. Jesus still performs miracles. You can it's every day. We've got people in our church that God has healed. My wife had colon cancer uh, 17 years ago, I think it was. Is that right, Kendra? And she's she's been healed for 17 years. I had a, a chronic back issue that God has healed me from. Unbel- so bad. I told you I was a terrible sufferer. This is how bad I am when I was suffering. It was hurting so bad. It, it was in the winter. I, was la- I went out and laid in the front yard in my underwear. I didn't live in a subdivision. It was okay. You can do that if you don't live in a subdivision. I don't recommend it. Don't try this at home. I laid in my underwear in the cold grass trying to shock my back. And I cried out to God, God... If this is what you've got for me, please take me home. I cannot handle it, okay? It was excruciating, but God has healed my back, okay? God still performs miracles. But he does not perform miracles on demand, and he does not. His timing is not always your timing. And so even if we know the right source, even if we demonstrate the right attitude and develop the right faith, Even if we trust in the right object, Jesus still decides when and what, when and how 
he performs a miracle. And we can trust him in that. So, so people then often say, well, now I don't know about that, uh, Joel, because there's scripture that leads me to believe that we can be healed if we just have enough faith. I'll tell you three things that can hinder your healing. A lack of faith. That's true. Bible says Jesus went into, left one community because, and didn't heal them all because of their lack of faith. I can tell you this, some people aren't healed uh, simply because they have unconfessed sin. That's in James, I think, chapter 5. They have unconfessed sin and can't receive a healing. And thirdly, some people are not healed just because they never asked God to heal them. But I can tell you this, if you ask every day, if you have a heart that's, that's pure, and you uh, live a, a life of confession before God, and if you have the faith larger than mustard seed, Jesus may not heal you until he heals you on the other side. Because it's about a sovereign God who knows the beginning from the end and, and works all things together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. His ways is, are above our ways. His thoughts are beyond our thoughts. And I like having a God that's that big. Amen? I don't want a God I can figure out all the time. I want a God where there's tension that I just can't wrestle down because he's bigger than us. And then I want to warn you, sometimes we listen to the wrong people. Matthew 24, 24 says, False messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. There's false healers out there. we got to be careful. Matthew 7, verse 22, Jesus said, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. We got to be careful who we listen to. Uh, Daniel was delivered from the lion's den, yet Paul spent much of his latter years in prison. John, the revelator, the writer of this gospel, lived a full life and died of a, an old age. Peter, another of the disciples, was crucified upside down. The official son in this story was healed. And yet Paul prayed three times for, uh, for God to remove the thorn in his flesh. And God told him, nope, my grace is sufficient. The crippled man stood at the pool and was healed. And yet Timothy, one of the disciples, had continually to medicate himself for stomach issues. Why? Why? Because God is sovereign and we'll never understand fully his ways. So does that mean we don't pray? No, it does not. It means we pray. Listen to me. What does it mean for you and for me? Knowing that God is capable. Knowing that God is able to do anything. Knowing that he loves us as his own child. Knowing that he has a sovereign timeline that may not be the same as ours. What does that mean? It means that we pray, that we behave and we pray like it depends on us. We behave and we pray like it depends on us. But we believe and we trust because it depends on him. Okay? That's where both sides of the equation meet in the middle. God, I'm going to be obedient to your word. I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to live by your word. I'm going to do the things that I can do to posture myself for healing now. I'm going to pray. I'm going to confess my sin and repent. I'm going to have faith. 
but I'm going to trust you. If you want to heal me, God, know you can. Heal me. But if it's not today and it's on the other side, you don't owe me anything else. You've given me everything in Jesus, your son. And then all of a sudden we're free. We pray and we trust. And we just keep moving forward. Now I want to tell you, sometimes that's hard truth. It's easier truth if you're not in the middle of suffering. It's a hard truth if somebody you know is hurting and suffering. But as a pastor, I want you as a church to know the full counsel of God. Because if we believe something that's not true and we place that belief upon God improperly, we start getting disappointed with God. We start getting angry at God. We walk away from God. And his desire is not that. His desire is for us to be up close and personal. So i got to share this, and we're done. Jesus said, greater things than these will you all do. Mm. Let's recap. What did Jesus do? Converted water to wine, that's a biggie. Healed a man's son from a distance, that's a biggie. Gave hearing to the deaf, that's a good one. Sight to the blind, that's a good one. Speech to the moot, to the, that's a good one. Um, uh, legs to the paralytic, that's a good one. Took a sacked lunch, fed 5,000 plus, that's a really cool one. And Jesus said, greater things than these will you do. So I got a question. <laughs> How are you going to trump that? Can you even imagine something that would be cooler and greater than that? The greater thing that you can do is provide a healing that's not temporary. The greater thing is offering eternal life to the dying eternally. The greater thing is to provide the good gospel message of Jesus, offering an eternal heavenly life in exchange for an eternal life in hell. The greater thing is offering the source of life that's eternal. The greater ultimate healing is an inner healing of the soul found in Jesus. And listen, if you're a believer, you carry that around with you every day, every place you go. Lazarus was raised from the dead. I forgot about him. Man, that's a good one. That's not all good. Lazarus had to die twice. You ever think about that? You see, there's a greater, there's greater miracle, and it's found in Jesus. So how do we live our life? We live our life with even if faith. Even if faith. If you, if you read Habakkuk chapter 3, you find a man who is under, in war, under siege. And he begins to pray. Habakkuk 3 says, you know what, even if there's no cattle in the stall... Even if there's no wine in the jar, even if there's no grain in the silo, 
I'm still going to praise you, and I'm still going to trust you. Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar is going to throw them in the furnace unless they worship him. And he says, they say, listen, even if. They say, they said, our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down and worship you. It's an even if faith. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes and we're done. I, I want you to know today God is a healer, still performs miracles. And he loves you, whether you're lost or saved, whether you're a child of God adopted into his kingdom through Jesus or whether you're outside and you're just observing it from a distance. He loves you right where you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you right there. Maybe you're here and you have some form of religion, but you've never experienced the ultimate healing that happens when you simply allow Jesus to come in and save you. I want you to know this could be your day. This could be the day that you simply realize, wow, God really does love me. Not because the preacher said it, because it's because I feel it in the depth of my being. God has spoken to my soul. He loves me. And he wants to call me his own. And he's done everything possible to make it possible through Jesus' son. And you simply say, God, I believe you love me. I believe you came to this earth and died on a cross for my sin. I believe you want to forgive me and come into my life and call me your own today. And so I receive your grace gift. I want Jesus to come into my life today. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for making this moment on the timeline the day when you, God, came into my life to save me. I'll never be the same. I pray it in Jesus' name. And maybe some of us, most of us have already done that. You just pray, man. You just keep living for God. You keep expecting healings for those people around you, but you trust in God and all that he has. And you begin to live by the word, and it'll just unfold in your life. And you'll experience another level of the greatness of who God is. Father, we thank you. God, I pray if there's someone in here this morning who received your grace gift that they'll come and let me know about it, God, so I can pray with them and encourage them and help them. I thank you, God, that you're still a miracle maker. I thank you that you're still performing the greatest miracle. You're rescuing souls from bondage to the enemy and delivering them into an eternal purpose in your kingdom. Wow, that's the greatest of all miracles, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.